Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a series of programs on the subject of telling a Jew about Jesus, and this program is a continuation of the previous one. In the previous program, I ended the program by talking about the obstacles that a Jewish person will face quite often when they are confronted with the topic of is Jesus the Messiah or not, when they are confronted with the issues of Christianity and they are considering making a decision as to whether or not they are going to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, it's important for the Christian to remember and keep in mind that the cost for a Jew to believe that Jesus is the Messiah can be quite high. And I was explaining this in the previous program, that a person can lose their family, they can be rejected by their family, they can lose their place in their community, they can even lose their form of employment as their employment may very well be attached to their Judaism or their community of Jewish people. And so the rejection can have serious consequences in their life. And so because of that, the truth may not be as important to them as their relationships with other people. And that this is important for a Christian to keep in mind. Now, in these programs, I'm speaking to a dual audience, in effect. I'm speaking to both a Jew and a Christian at the same time, and so you'll have to have patience with me as I alternate between the two. In this case, I'm going to continue speaking with the Jewish person. And the first thing that I want to mention is, is that for you to listen to this second program, to me, is meaningful. I know that I was very direct and quite aggressive at the end of the previous program. And so if you're going to continue listening to this, I want you to know that I acknowledge that and I recognize that. And that tells me a lot about who you are as a person, and it's very meaningful to me to, to understand that you're willing to continue listening, especially as I was so direct as I was. But I want you to please understand that I take this subject seriously. I really do. When I say things like to be a Jew means that you are not a Christian, which also means that you can believe anything else, things that may be contradictory to one another, or between other people, because the truth is not important. And when I say that, and when I said a number of other things, I want you to keep in mind, I want you to remember this, and that is that in the Jewish world, to say that you can be anything or you can believe in anything as long as it's not Jesus, what this is, is this is a form of bullying. That's what this is. It is no longer an argument of what is true or not. It is no longer an argument of what is real or what is not real. It's just a matter 
of how much can we bully you and hurt you in order to make sure that you don't believe in Jesus. Because if it really was going to come down to a discussion of what is true and what is not true, if it really comes down to that kind of a discussion, they know, that's right, the Jewish world knows that they will lose. They will lose in that discussion because the evidence is overwhelming to show that Jesus is the Messiah. And they know that. And so they have to resort to things like, if you want to believe that, well, then the consequences are not going to be an argument of truth. It is going to be rejection. We're just going to get rid of you. Because they know full well that there is no alternative but to just get rid of you because they don't want to have to be confronted with the truth. By default, there is a preference to live a lie, a preference to live in dishonesty because they don't want to consider the truth as being something that is important. And in this case, I'm not going to take a lot of time to address this issue. I'm just going to tell you the way it really is. That's the way things are. So what kind of a person are you? Are you really willing to consider what is true or is it more important for you to live in a lie, to live in a fantasy, to live in dishonesty? All right. Now, if you do not agree with me about Jesus being the Messiah because you believe that that is not true, I can accept that. That's appropriate. That's reasonable. That is an honest way to approach this subject. But like I said, in most cases, people won't even consider discussing it, examining it, studying the issue. That's not really what people are about in the Jewish world, and I think you know this. So continuing from the previous message that I gave on this subject, I also I want you to keep in mind and remember that the Christian has to deal with the exact same thing. In the Christian world, it is no different in many cases. No different at all. In the Christian world, after you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, now, after that, a person is going to proceed in their life and, and discover what are the implications of Jesus being the Messiah. So if he is the Messiah, what does that mean? How is that going to have an effect on our lives? How does that change our relationship with our God? What does that really mean? There are a lot of disagreements within the Christian world about the implications of what Jesus did for us. And the consequences are exactly the same in the Christian world as they are in the Jewish world in this respect. And as I'm speaking to a Jewish person at this moment, please have some understanding recognize and acknowledge that the Christian deals with the same kinds of struggles. If the Christian doesn't believe in forgiveness in the same way that their family members do, if they don't believe in what it means to live the Christian life as their other family members do or their employer does, they are going to be subjected to persecution and rejection, and they could very well be at risk of losing their community, being rejected by their family, 
possibly losing their job, even though their employer won't tell them that this is why they let them go. There are a lot of consequences. You know, the consequences for a pastor or a priest is the same as the consequences for a rabbi. If a rabbi believes that Jesus is the Messiah, well, they're going to lose their position in the synagogue. So also in the Christian world, if a pastor believes in something or they they recognize that there is something different that they decide that they want to believe from a doctrinal point of view from their church that they are a part of, that they are teaching, that they are teaching in, if the pastor believes in something that is different from their congregation, their congregation will get rid of them just the same. And so as a Jewish person, I want you to consider that just as there are differences within Judaism, there are also differences within Christianity. And just as there is a struggle in Judaism about the truth, there is also the same kind of struggle within Christianity. It is no different. And if you fail to acknowledge this, if you don't relate to this other person who is genuinely wanting to be of service to you, who really has what they believe your best interest at heart, if you won't acknowledge that, then you will end the relationship between you and this other person. And I'm not telling you that to give you a way to end this relationship so that the person won't bother you with the subject of Jesus. I'm telling you this because if you want to be acknowledged to be a reasonable, honest person in the world that you are a part of, then you need to keep this in mind and recognize that the Christian has similar struggles. They have similar issues. And they will consider you to be a person who they do not want to have a relationship with because you won't acknowledge the struggles and the obstacles that they face in their own life. And this is a common issue. This is a common issue that happens between people when they're talking about the subject of faith, of religion, of spiritual things. And I want you to pay attention to this and understand that you need to consider whether or not you really want to have a relationship with this person at all. It is going to have to include a recognition of the struggles that this person has in their life, just as they should recognize the kinds of struggles that you have in your life also. All right, and so for a Jewish person, you will find that in many cases, the idea of being Jewish has nothing to do with what the truth is. The truth has no relevance in your life. The only thing that matters is what particular community you are a part of, what are the festivals or festivities that you participate in, whether or not you go through the liturgy at the synagogue. That's what those issues tend to be. But in this case, with this topic, it really is about the truth. So let's consider an example. Let's consider the truth of if there is a God or not. As I mentioned in the previous program, to be a good Jew, you don't even have to believe that there is a God at all. And maybe you don't. But you will be accepted within the Jewish community as if you do or as if you don't. It doesn't matter. It has no relevance in Judaism today for the most part. So let's consider the topic for just a moment. Is there a God or not? Now, I'm certainly not going to present the subject in the sense of I'm now going to give you the evidence to show you that clearly there is a God. I think it's an important topic an important subject, and a person should spend time in their life 
to see if they can find enough evidence to convince them that there either is or there is not, and that a person should make a decision about what they are going to believe. But I want you to know that I do believe that there is a God. And if there is no God, if there is no God at all, then you might as well stop listening to me because there is nothing more to talk about. It doesn't matter anymore. The subject of is Jesus the Messiah or not doesn't matter. If there is no God, then we shouldn't be using any of our time in our life existence to even consider this subject at all. It's over. Go do something else. All right? So I'm going to start with the opinion, with the position, that there is a God. We just have to accept that and decide that. I have found more than enough evidence. I know that I cannot generate a proof in order to prove that there is a God. And I know proofs. I am a very serious mathematician. I know all about proofs. But our God has structured this world in such a way that he will not subject himself to such laws, to such postulates. We cannot prove that there is a God. We can only discover enough evidence to convince us personally as to whether or not there is one. And I have found an abundance of evidence to the extent where I have no doubt, no doubt personally whatsoever, that there really is a God. So I'm going to have to start with that. And I'm going to start with that by saying that if there is a God, then what he thinks probably does matter. What he thinks matters. And this is regardless of the subject, regardless of the subject, of the topic, of what we think is important to consider in our life experience, regardless of what it is, our God probably has an opinion about these things. And so I'm going to say that what he thinks, what his opinion is, probably is important. And so regardless of what I think is true or what you think is true, whatever God thinks, that's going to be more important than what I think or what you think. And so the discussion always needs to be directed, I think, more in that direction where we have to consider, well, what does God think? What has he had to say about this issue And what has he expressed to us, revealed to us, given to us that we can look at, that we can go on, that we can consider so that we might know what God thinks? I think this is very important. I I think that without this, like I said, we might as well go do something else. And so we have to deal with the issue of, well, what do we have to go on? What do we have that will reveal to us what God thinks, what he has to say, what his opinion is. It just so happens that we have the Torah. And I'm going to use a non-English word in that sense in order to describe this as I'm speaking to the Jew. We have the Torah. We have the writings of Moses. And, you know, just our existence The definition of what it means to be a Jew 
is attached to the reality of God because our existence was defined by God. The Israelites were slaves in Egypt. He performed miracles in order to set us free. Those were divine acts of God. We were set free. He eventually brought us into the promised land. He gave the law through Moses that would define how we would have relationships with each other and how we would have our relationships with him. He provided us with a definition of what it means to be an Israelite, and the Jews are a tribe of the nation of Israel. He gave us a definition of what it means to be a Jew. And so just your existence, your living existence of being a Jew demonstrates that there is a God and the historical record that we have is the record of what he has had to say. It is the record of his opinion. He has revealed a lot. He certainly has not covered every aspect of society. I mean, if you were to ask him, how do you feel about cell phones? We didn't have cell phones back then. But what I want you to understand is that we have a lot. We have a lot to go on with regards to what he has had to say. It has been well documented. And it has been the role of the most religious Jewish people. It has been their role throughout history to maintain the integrity of what God said, the integrity of the Torah and the Haftorah and the prophets. That has been the role of the Jewish people in many cases within the history of humanity to maintain the integrity of there being a God and the record of what he has had to say. And so we should study it. We should know it. And if you will take the time to read through the Torah, you will see all over the place, God said, and God said, and then he said, and he said, and he said, and he said. He has had a lot to say, and it is all over the place there. We should study it. And the prophets, the prophets have had a lot to say about what God said. And if you're concerned about whether these prophets are legitimate prophets or not, the integrity of the writings of the prophets have been preserved by the most orthodox of rabbis throughout the course of thousands of years now. These writings have been preserved and protected because the prophecies that are contained within those writings, they came true. They came true. And there are many that were given that have not been totally fulfilled yet, but enough has been fulfilled that these prophets are considered to be important and honest and representatives of our God, that our God said some things to them, and they told the people, most of which were not willing to listen. So you may wonder, well, why is it that God didn't tell everybody that? Well, because not everybody was willing to listen. But he found someone who was willing to listen, and so he told that person, and included in the things that God said through that person were a lot of prophecies. And when these prophecies came to pass, then we considered, well, all right, there are, there, there are the qualifications, there is the evidence to show that this person was a legitimate representative of God, God certainly would like to speak to everyone personally, just like he did 
on Mount Sinai, but don't forget what happened, or if you don't know, you should read about it, in Exodus chapter 20, when God came upon the mountain, he only made it to the first Ten Commandments, he only made it to number 10 before the people said, we don't want to hear from you anymore. Go talk to Moses, and he will tell us what you have to say. And that has been consistent throughout the history of the lives of our people. Very consistent. So he's had to speak with other people, many of which are acknowledged as the prophets. So we have, we have plenty of, plenty of things to read that, and the integrity of these things have been maintained. And now I am presenting this in English. I understand that there is an interest in studying these things in Hebrew. By all means, learn Hebrew. I have learned Hebrew. I can, I can read through the scriptures. I can read through the prophets and the writings just fine in Hebrew. I can do that. And I understand that the English translations don't necessarily express everything that is contained in the Hebrew and that it's worthwhile to learn the Hebrew. But there is enough. There is enough that has been revealed in the English translations that in this case, with this particular subject material, I feel fully confident in continuing just using English. And so I will do that, and I will encourage you to read the different English translations, and you will see that they are similar enough that if you don't want to read the renditions that have been produced by Christians, and you want to read the renditions that have been produced by rabbis, that's just fine. They're close enough. Do that. And take responsibility. Take responsibility for what you are going to believe. Do not rely on somebody else. Do not rely on the rabbis. You are the one who will suffer the consequences or you'll be the one to experience the benefits of what you believe. So take it seriously and pursue these things on your own. Now, when I was studying to be a rabbi, there was a stage in my life, in my early years, where I decided that this is who I want to be. And there were several rabbis who agreed to take me as their student and to train me to be a good rabbi. And I was very enthusiastic. And I pursued this with aggression and with great desire. I did this, but in the midst of this... I recognized that the subject of the Messiah is an important subject. I recognized that. It wasn't important to the rabbis who I was studying under. To them, it had no importance, no relevance at all. To them, it didn't matter just as long as you don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. But to me, I thought it was important, and so I studied the writings I studied the prophets, I studied the law, because I thought that there would be evidence in there to show who the Messiah is going to be. If the Messiah shows up, how will I know? What are the qualifications of the Messiah? What makes him the Messiah? What are the problems that he is going to solve? I made a decision that this would be something that I would understand. And so I went into the Torah, into the half Torah, into the writings, into the prophets. I went into it in order to find the passages that speak about the Messiah. So I could study the subject, know the subject, and know the Messiah if I saw him. 
and I would like to seriously encourage you to do the same. I will spend some time talking with you about the passages that I feel are very important, those that made a difference to me, but I'm certainly not going to be talking about all of them. I'm just going to tell you about the ones that I personally feel are very important, and I would like you to consider them to be a place to start. And you should start, and you should make it a part of your life. You should take a part of your life and find out for yourself If there is a God, then he has an opinion about this subject, about who the Messiah is, and you should go and find out what he has had to say about who the Messiah is and what are the problems that he is going to solve. Because whatever God thinks does matter. And this is a way to approach this subject. What are the problems that God is going to solve? When it comes to the Messiah, most people are thinking about the leader of world peace. But the subject is so much bigger than that. If you go into what God has said, he has already told us about a number of problems that will need to be solved. And he provided a solution to these problems with a Messiah. And I will continue with this in the next program. Thank you for listening. This program is the second program in the series on telling a Jew about Jesus. And in this program, I emphasize the importance that there is a God and that if there is a God, then what he thinks, what his opinion is on any given subject is important. And we should take the time to look for what our God has had to say about the Messiah and how we would know him when we saw him. What are the problems that he will solve? And in the next program, I'm going to talk about some of the things that God has had to say about the Messiah, so we will be able to accurately determine who he is. And I will be reading from the writings that have been preserved by our rabbis for thousands of years. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net